What are the top 50 things that you would like your son to know? If you could share the top of mind, the things that come to mind with your son, what would those things be? Maybe your son is in the teenage years and you haven't had those opportunities. This would be a wonderful time to pray and ask God to give you the opportunity so that you can start building that relational bridge if it's not there, so that you can share your wisdom with your son. Maybe your son is out of the home and you missed a few of those opportunities. Well, it's not too late. Again, ask God, uh, just ask the Lord to give you time, give you context, give you the place, give you the spirit, the courage, the wisdom, the grace to be able to start building relationally so that you can share your wisdom with your son. But the question is, if you had a top-of-mind list, things that you could share with your son, what would they be? Well, I have 50 things that I have shared with my son, and I want to share them with you. I have put them in a letter form, a letter that I've written to my son. It is here uh, in this article. The title of the article is The Top 50 Things That I Want My Son to Know. I want to share those with you now. As I do this, maybe you can think of this as a, a, a parent parenting advice. People ask us, or Rick and Lucia, for parenting advice. And so these top 50 things, I mean, you could really tease all of them out. And I think they would be very helpful advice for your son. You'll also find uh, that there's a lot of application here for daughters as well. By the way, if you want to read the top 50 things that I shared with our daughters, you can read that too. Uh, that is a full-length article with podcast and video, and you're welcome to check that out also. So let me get into this. I began with a brief introduction. It goes like this. Hello, son. I have been thinking about you, and my thoughts have been mostly about how fortunate I have been to be your dad. A few honors in life outrank the others. Being a father is one of those honors. Being your dad has made it even more rewarding. It reminds me of what Paul told his friends in Philippi in chapter 1, verse number 3. He says, I thank my God upon all remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. And I think that pretty much sums it up. When I think of you, my soul warms. You make me optimistic about your future, a future I hope to be part of, but I know that that may not be the case. Always sharing with one another is a privilege, but it's not a right. Not knowing our future together is why I began listing a few top-of-mind things that I would love for you to remember. Though I've written this for you and also for your sisters to read, I do hope a few things will bubble up that will serve you in the future while blessing those around you too. These things are not in any particular order, and I hope that they will encourage you. I hope they motivate you, and I hope they will help you to do these four words well. Love God. Love others. All right, so here's my top 50 things that I want you to know. Number one, keep in mind how you treat your sisters and your mother. Your treatment of them is how you will treat your future wife. Once the honeymoon is over and life starts happening, the real you will come through, whether good or bad. The real you is how you treat your sisters. The dating season is an artificial season where we fake each other out until we can tie the knot and get married. 
Well, you can have an indication of how you are going to treat your future wife by how you treat your mother and your two sisters. That's number one. Number two, a key to living well is loving God and loving others more than yourself. It is those four words. If you can remember and practice those four words, love God and love others, you will have a a life of contentment. You might not get everything that you want, but that is not how you have a life of contentment. If you love God and love others more than yourself, you will be at peace even in a fallen and disruptive world. Number three, wash your feet regularly. The Lord has given you unique feet. (laughs) They're big and wide. Those close to you will find it easier to love you well if you keep your feet clean. Number four, a man's anger is more intense and it's more damaging to those around us. If you never forget what the Lord did for you to regenerate you, hopefully it will govern your heart and your tongue as you interact with others. You have been forgiven of the greatest sin against humanity, our sin against God. Whatever others do to you will never reach that height. Therefore, if you remember what God did for you, it will humble your heart. It will govern you even when those around you disappoint you, knowing that your anger, a man's anger, is more intense and it can be more destructive, generally speaking. Number five, don't run. Don't try to hide. From your weaknesses. Hiding imperfections is a problem for men. We're men. We're macho, machismo. Uh, We despise being weak or showing weakness. Being vulnerable is one of the beauties of the gospel. For when you are weak, then you are strong, as Paul taught us. That's another key to living well in God's world. Loving God, loving others, and recognizing that when you're weak, you're actually strong because God's strength works in weak, vulnerable, humble hearts. Number six, you are wired to serve. It is a strength of yours. You are a remarkable servant. You have peripheral vision. You can see a need and you regularly fulfill those needs. It's a gift that the Lord has given you. Please guard your heart when others do not reciprocate with a similar servant-centered worldview. Sometimes servants like you become discouraged by the lack of other-centeredness that they perceive in others. You will see this in folks in the helping professions, for example, like ministry people. They have a burden and they work very hard in serving other people, and sometimes they can look out over the masses and, and they can grow cynical or tired or burnt out or angry or frustrated because they do not serve like they do. Well, you're like that. You're a servant. God has wired you that way. It comes easily for you. And you could become self-righteous by judging other people who aren't, uh, do not have that gift or haven't grown in that kind of maturity. Number seven, you have learned well not to hit your little sister. Sometimes that has been a monumental challenge as she tempts you to sin. Keep leaning into this one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, self-control. It will serve you well for years to come, especially if you marry. Number eight, don't stop laughing. I pray that laughter and humor will always be part of your life. 
If you forget how to laugh, you will miss out on a lot of fun and your relationships will struggle. If you forget how to laugh, then that means that your problems are growing larger than who God is and what God can do through you. You have been forgiven of the greatest debt known to humanity. You should be free to laugh because you are free. Number nine, brag on others. Always gossip about yourself. Always don't get those in reverse where you talk negatively about others and positively about yourself. You don't want to do that. Never forget this practice. Number 10, be God-centered. Like a hub in the middle of a wheel, may God always be the center of it all. If he is, your God-centered worldview will influence all aspects of your life. If you're problem-centered, your situations will control you. As I was saying earlier, not only will your situations control you, but you will lose your joy. You will stop laughing. Number 11, don't be surprised when others sin. What do you expect fallen people to do? Your surprise at the failures of others reveals your lack of understanding of the doctrines of sin and the doctrine of humanity. Fallen people fall. And you're not perfect either, and so don't be surprised. Be redemptive. Number 12, lift the lid. You know why. And your wife will be glad. Number 11, listen to your wife even if she talks forever, even if she's one of those wives that likes to talk late at night where she finally has the opportunity to lay her head down and she's not going to sleep, but she really just wants to talk even if it's late at night and she talks forever. Listen to her. Number 14, hold your wife when she's crying. You don't have to say anything. Just hold your wife when she is crying. Number 15, always outserve your other relationships. Again, you are a servant, but don't let anyone outserve you. You're very competitive, and so make this a competitive event. Paul said in 1210 of Romans, outdo one another in showing honor. Well, you can outdo one another in serving, so always outserve others. Seek to serve. Number 16, when someone asks, who the biggest sinner you know of, make sure your answer is not just what I've taught you, but it's actually what you believe. It's you from your perspective. It's me from my point of view. That theologically centered attitude can transform your relationships. Number 17, don't give up playing games and doing fun stuff. Always have fun. But don't let your hobbies or your work take priority over your relationships. There's a balance there. Number 18, figure out how figure out the way you should go. And if you do, you will be a happy camper. The man working within his passion and his gifting will be happy while fulfilling the purposes in which the Lord has shaped him. You have a good idea now. Uh, we've tried to train you in the way that you should go, and you seem to be heading at least directionally in that way. Well, if you eventually land in that spot, your niche, your passion, your gifting, well, you will be a happy 
camper. They do say that the person doing what they love will never work a day in their lives, but that is not true. You will actually work harder than the person who's not happy at their job, but it's okay. It's your niche. It's it's your passion. It's your gifting. And so directionally, you're heading in the right way. I, I pray that you figure out you figure out exactly what your spot is in life. Number 19, the Lord has given you an excellent memory and a passion for understanding the mechanics of things. You are a tinkerer. I am over the fact that you ruined my lawnmower because you are a tinkerer. God has given you the gift to explore You could be an engineer or maybe some other field where you build, where you invent, where you produce, where you put something together. Think about this stuff. Your career may be in that general direction, as we know now it is. Number 20, if your number one passion is the Lord, then all the people following you will be led well. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ, and that is what you want. You want to lead them well, and I trust that is your number one passion. Number 21, don't settle for a church that does not get into your sanctification, that they're not intentionally intrusive into your lives. Don't settle for a church that does not have systems in place to help you mature. Maybe you can think about it this way. If you were to die, what kind of church would you want to shepherd your wife? What kind of church would you want to shepherd your children? Settle for that kind of local assembly. The reason that we attend the church that we attend, one of the reasons, obviously, they are theologically sound. That's most important. They're right on the gospel. But this is the church that I want your mother and you, if you all are still around, to attend after I'm gone because I know that they can continue to shepherd you. And so don't settle for a church that does not get into your sanctification and they do not have the systems in place to care for your soul, your spouse, your children, the dependents that God uh, may give you sometime in the future. Number 22, enjoy all things in God's world, but do not let anything in God's world control you. Number 23, model the life you want others to live. Never ask a person to be this way or to be that way if you're not that way yourself. Deplore hypocrisy by not falling into the trap of do what I say, not what I do. Number 24, keep in step with the Spirit. Make sure you do what God wants you to do with every step you make. That's how you keep step with the Spirit, each step you make. Is this what God wants me to do? Is this what God wants me to say? Is this where God wants me to go? If you do this one step at a time, you will have an illuminated life, an exciting life. Number 25, you will never know all the details of any situation, so make sure You lead with questions, not with statements. Always ask questions because you'll never know all the facts about any person or any situation. And so if you do get married and you're having a a dust-up with your wife, remember that you do not know all the details of that situation. And so ask 
questions. Number 26, if the Lord gives you children, create structures and boundaries and rules and regulations for their training. Let them know they are not omnipotent and they are not omniscient. Your goal is to teach them early. They are not the center of the universe, and they they are to be humans under authority. Just remember how you were reared. Do it early, quick, decisive. Make it clear. Make it objective. Well, number 27, as your children become older, I mean three years old, four, five years old, then you can start relaxing the rules because you will have trained them to submit, to be humans under authority. Then increase your teaching because they can process more. Structure early, objective, measurable, definitive early on, and then you begin to relax the rules, three, four, five, six, seven years of age, continuing until you hope that they can step out into the world where you are now as men and women under authority where they do not need that heavy-handed structure because you have been relaxing it all along the way because you did it well in those first couple of years. Number 28, your character, who you are, is more important than what you do. What you do is essential, but it's more important if what you do comes from a transformed heart or transformed character. Number 29, be biblically okay with your hypocrisy. I said earlier to deplore hypocrisy. I want you to deplore it. But the primary key is not whether you're a hypocrite. We all wear masks. The key is which way are you leaning? Are you pushing toward Christ to close the gap of your hypocrisy, or are you heading in the other direction? You remember what I asked? Why did Eutychus fall out the window when Paul preached all night? He fell out because he had more hanging out than hanging in. He didn't fall in the window inside the room. He fell outside the room unto the ground. Do you have more leaning in or more leaning out? You always want to be leaning in to Christ. Number 30, pursue community. You will be happier if you live in a community, serving others while being served by others. Number 31, pursue quietness. Be content with yourself and with the Lord alone. Always carve out times to get away to think, to reflect, to be grateful. Number 32, there are only four problems in life. They're all solved in one sequential specific order. Problem number one, a problem with God. Problem number two, a problem with yourself. Problem number three, problems with others. And number four, a problem with the world in which we live. Prioritize your relationship with the Lord. Problem number one, that will reveal you to you. Problem number two, that will help you understand others, problem number three, and that will put you in the best position to live well in God's world. Number 33, don't work to please God. He became pleased with you when you accepted the works of his son as your savior. Your obedience should flow out of a heart of gratitude for what he has done for you. That will please 
the Lord. Your works will not please him, but a heart that is satisfied in God, that bubbles up with gratitude, who wants to obey out of satisfaction and gratitude, that will please the Lord. Number 34, the freest man in the world is not under the control of others' opinions. Don't submit your soul to having to have the favor, the favor, the acceptance, or the approval of others. Don't fear anyone's rejection. Be free. The principal opinion in the world that matters is the Lord's opinion of you. He loves and accepts you everlastingly if you have accepted him. Number 35, lying is just is not just a black and white issue. Think about the other forms of lying that we talked about. For example, withholding the truth, that's taking a little bit of truth out. Number two, adding to the truth, making it more than what it really is. Number three, evading the truth. Those are three aspects of lying. And so lying is not just black and white issue where it's just obvious that it's a lie. Sometimes we can withhold the truth. We can add to the truth or what they say, spinning the truth. Sometimes we can evade the truth. Guard your heart against these three more subtle forms of lying. Number 36, when you choose sinful anger towards someone, remember the cause and the source of your anger is in your heart, not what the other person did. James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Number 37, repentance is not just confessing your sin and asking for forgiveness. That's part of repentance. Repentance is transformational. Confessing your sin and Seeking forgiveness is a good start, but you need to do more. You have to change. Learn how to repent, to turn 180 degrees. You have to do more than confess. You have to do more than ask forgiveness. And as you learn how to repent, practice it often. 38, pass gas flatulence in your home. It's okay. It's okay. Just don't be annoying with it. Number 39, don't be late for anything. If you're late, call the person to let them know. Being habitually late does not honor the other person, and it is not keeping your word. Number 40, distinguish between an episode and a pattern. If you are late episodically, for example, you can own that and move on. However, if you have a habit of lateness, you need to figure out how to repent of it. We all make mistakes. We all have episodes. But do not condone patterns of wrongs among your family or your friends. Number 41, learn how to calendar plan. Don't be so structured that you cannot be spontaneous, but don't be so spontaneous that you are disorganized. If you don't figure this out, you'll drive your friends crazy. 41, uh, 42 rather, you are number one. You're number one. This is one of the only places in the world or in the scripture where you can say, I am number one, meaning take care of yourself first of all. If you don't take care of yourself first of all, those around you will be negatively affected. You must be spiritually and physically fit. 
caring for both parts of you, body and soul, is essential. The more better you take care of yourself, spiritually and physically, the more better you can serve others. 43, make people hold you accountable. An accountability partner will be useless if you do not make your accountability partner hold you accountable. You will have to tell him what questions to ask you. He will likely be a bit fearful about asking more personal questions. Go ahead and take the air out of the room. Tell him what to ask you. Make people hold you accountable. 44, when your wife asks you to get milk, when you go to the grocery store, make sure getting the milk is your secondary purpose. Always seek the kingdom of God first. Remember what I talked about in Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and the milk will be added to you. That is my paraphrase. Now, don't forget to get the milk, but go to the store thinking more about what the good Lord might be up to as your priority. You may be surprised at what might happen if you're expecting God to be where you are about to show up. And so no matter what you do, getting milk, going to the gas station, whatever it may be, always go there with the first intention of seeking what God is up to because he's writing a story. And then you can get the gas and you can buy the milk. That is a secondary matter. Number 45, never get over the fact that Christ died for your sins. Remember what I taught you. Hold up your hand and let each finger represent these words. Christ Christ died for my sins. It's an easy way to remember the best thing to happen to you. Number 46, speaking of hands, remember how to set a table. The four letters word fork goes on the left side of the plate, F-O-R-K, the left hand, L-E-F-T. The five-letter word knife, K-N-I-F-E, it goes on the right, the right hand, R-I-G-H-T, that will help you in some situations. Number 47, die with a thousand unfulfilled dreams. Never stop planning, dreaming, desiring, imagining, hoping. Number 48, your most significant victories are on the other side of your fears. It is better to risk and fail than never to risk at all. Don't be foolish. Don't be fearful. Learn the difference and then go for it. Don't let fear bind you down. Number 49, all decisions are born out of faith. If you believe it is biblically correct for you to do whatever it is that you want to do, then you can move forward. The saying is, when in doubt, don't. And so make sure that you believe, uh, you could say confidence, a God-centered confidence. I believe, I'm confident that God wants me to do this. I trust, I'm trusting God in this decision. I am hopeful that God is moving me in this direction. But those are faith-filled words. And as you are faith-filled, then you can move forward. However, if you doubt don't. You can't move forward when you are doubting. I am not suggesting that you will be 100% faith-filled, but you will be predominantly faith-filled. And this is what Paul is teaching us in Romans 14, 23, that we move forward by 
faith, and so we want to make sure that we understand what we're doing as clear as we can understand it, and then you step out in faith. Number 50, doing things by faith does not mean there will be no future trouble. Peter stepped out of a boat by faith and began to sink. However, his faith was perfected as well through that process. And so as you step out by faith, God will perfect your faith as you move along. Again, you can't be bound by fear. Son, I hope these somewhat random and eclectic thoughts benefit you. There are some things I have learned after a lot of living and a lot of failing and a few successes. Regardless of how your life rolls out for you or what the Lord scripts into your life, this one thing I want you to always know. I love you. I love you now, and I shall always love you. Your works good or bad, or the things that will happen to you will not alter my affection for you at all. You are a gift from the Lord. I love you with all my heart. I'm glad that I am your dad. I am grateful the Lord gave you to me. You have been a privilege and a joy to serve, and I'm so thankful that you are my son. I love you, son. The title of this podcast is The Top 50 Things That I Want My Son to Know. This is not an exhaustive treatment of this in, in no, no, no way, no how. If you want to read the top 50 things that I want our daughters to know, well, there is a podcast. That article is written out for you. There is also a video. I would encourage you to take this as parenting advice. There are many things here that you could really tease out and extrapolate on. I would encourage you to make your own list, to think about it. What would, I mean, you can take, you could extract these. You can copy and paste these if you want, and then you can add to it. You can adapt them in any way that you would. If we can serve you in any way, we have tons of resources on parenting, uh, on marriage, the things that are important to help our children. If we could help you, just please let us know. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.